on Pentecost, Peter went from prisoner to preacher. Peter boldly went from a man who was imprisoned behind doors that he had locked himself so that no one of Jesus' enemies would come in and get him, to a man who boldly would proclaim and preach before thousands of people, some hostile and some indifferent, to the message that he would bring him. And God honored that boldness. And the Christian movement took off. It went from 120 before Pentecost to more than 3,000 after Pentecost. And those 3,000 have now become more than 2 billion today. And you and I sit here this morning because of the boldness of those who went before us, who went before us because of the boldness of Peter, who stood up to speak. Now, to stand up and speak of Christ is not always necessarily a bold thing. To come and speak of Christ is a good thing here in the sanctuary, but you expect me to do that. To speak of Christ giving you the victory after the 72nd hole of the Masters is a good thing, but it's not a bold thing. To speak of Christ and His goodness after you've scored the winning touchdown is a good thing, but it's not a bold thing. But to stand up and speak of Christ to people who 50 days earlier were were involved in taking the very life of Christ Himself, now that is bold. And God honored Peter's boldness. I think God had honored Peter's boldness before. So he knew that that was probably how God would act. Earlier in his life, Peter had seen Jesus walking on the water and boldly Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat and walk towards you. And honoring that boldness, God allowed Peter to walk on that water. Peter had seen it early in their ministry together when four men boldly dug a hole in a roof and lowered a, a, a a man who was uh, unable to move to the feet of Jesus so that Jesus would heal him. Peter certainly remembered the boldness of a woman who by law was not allowed to touch anybody because she was bleeding. But she boldly reached out and grabbed the hem of Jesus' robe. Peter must have known at some level that God honors boldness. Probably one of the Bible stories with which Peter grew up was the story of young David, the teenage boy, who takes on boldly the giant Goliath. God honors boldness, and God honored the boldness of Peter that day. But before you rush out of here this morning and do something bold, I thought we ought to get a couple things straight. One is we ought to get straight the source of the boldness in Peter's life, and then maybe it would be helpful for us to get a picture of what boldness is and what boldness really is not. So let's go to the source. What is it that made Peter so bold? What, or perhaps we should say who, led Peter from behind his own locked doors out into the midst of the crowd? Now the book of Acts is very clear that the source of Peter's boldness was the presence of the Holy Spirit moving Peter to speak. Peter had locked himself earlier behind doors, and he wasn't working on a message that he knew he would deliver on the Pentecost celebration It was when he was out and the Holy Spirit came upon him that suddenly he delivered this message that he had not planned. The Holy Spirit was the source of his boldness. And Peter would certainly know the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit has been a source of boldness before. You may remember the story of Samson. Samson, who after being betrayed by Delilah and really his own stupidity, had lost his strength, was there in the house of his captors, the Philistines, and he prayed to God for strength just one more time. 
And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and you'll remember perhaps that Samson then pushed the pillars of the building in which he was held captive, and the building came down not only on Samson, but all of his Philistine captors. Peter probably knew the story of King Saul, who wasn't much of a leader early on, but the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and Saul, in this Spirit-led power, led his people to fight back against their enemies, the Philistines, and gain a measure of freedom. The Holy Spirit was such an important source of power that when David sinned against God by sinning with Bathsheba, David confessed his sin and he asked God just for one thing, according to Psalm 51. He said, just this one thing, God, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. For the Holy Spirit was the source of David's power and his wisdom and therefore his ability to rule and shepherd his people. The source of the Holy Spirit for The source of power for Peter and the source of boldness was the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes that troubles us because we get images, which are certainly biblical, of the Holy Spirit taking control of people, and they do things that are are quite strange and quite sometimes outrageous. And we get images of the Holy Spirit, such as the image of fire, almost burning out of control. And the Holy Spirit sometimes comes upon people, and they do burn, in a sense, out of control. But I also remember that when Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come, and a comforter will come. Jesus referred to the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit who would lead us into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit is not necessarily always a force that just burns down an entire city block, but oftentimes it's a gentle, warm fire where you can warm the chill off of your bones. The Holy Spirit is sometimes a gentle, warm fire that can, you can use to prepare food that will nurture your soul. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and comes upon me in ways that are appropriate to who we are and to what God wants done in our situation. But the result of the coming of the Holy Spirit is most always boldness. But now we need to define boldness. Just what is boldness? My favorite definition comes from a pastor, John Ortberg, who says that boldness is a free and joyful standing before God. In other words, that's all it is. Boldness is just doing what God asks you to do regardless of the consequences and regardless of what other people think. Regardless of the crowd, when you do what God wants, you are seeming to be bold because you're not like the crowd. They worry about outcomes. They worry about consequences. They worry about the net effect on the bottom line. They worry about their limited time and what will happen to their limited time availability. And when you serve God and don't worry about those things, you seem to them to be bold. That's all boldness is. It's playing to a different audience. Instead of playing to others, instead of playing to your expectations, you simply play to God. What is it that God wants And your obedience to do that is what makes you bold. Your audience is an audience of one. That's all Peter cared about. Not whether people would respond to the sermon. Peter didn't know if they would or not. Likely as not, Peter could have the same response I get most every Sunday, which is this. (laughs) Being partially facetious. But crowds don't rush me. Say, amazing message. But it doesn't matter. You give the message anyway. Peter gave it not worrying about the outcome. Peter gave it because it was obedient. It was what he was supposed to do. That is boldness. Doing what God calls you to do, not worrying about the consequences. Not worrying about the outcome. Well, what is boldness not? I think I have a much clearer picture of what boldness is not. Let me give you a few. I think boldness is not the same thing as foolhardiness. 
Boldness is not the same as foolhardiness. Some years ago, I think it was about 10 years ago, the Buffalo Bills were in the stretch drive of the, of, the, of the football season. They had a very big game. But in the paper I read on Saturday that on Thursday, one of their star defensive linemen got hurt and he would not be able to play in the big game. And I thought at first, well, that's too bad for him. And then I read how he got injured. It seems that on the Thursday before the big game, he was out in his yard playing catch with steak knives and he cut himself badly. Friends, that's not bold. That's stupid. (laughs) There's a difference between stupidity and boldness, between foolhardiness and boldness. In Judges 11, the Old Testament, the enemies of God are oppressing God's people and so a man named Jephthah feels like he's supposed to do something about it. And so he tells Anybody will listen, you know, I'm going to pray to God for victory and I'm going to go out and get the victory. And and I want this so much that when I come back triumphant in victory, the first thing that comes out of my house to greet me, I will sacrifice to the Lord. I guess he assumed that the sheep or the family pet would be first out. It wasn't. It was his daughter. And against God's desires. God never told him to make this bold pledge, and God never told him to carry it out. But because he so feared other people and, and his reputation, he takes his daughter's own life to back up his foolhardy pledge. That's not boldness. That's stupidity. What else is bold is not? Boldness is not always aggression. Boldness doesn't mean you leave here this morning and from the sanctuary and you get in somebody's face immediately and say, thank you, Jesus, I've been waiting to do that. I've been needing to do that. That's not, that's not boldness. That's, that's just being aggressive. Um, Don Miller, in, uh, in his book, Blue Like Jazz, tells a wonderful story that he can't confirm because I guess if he could confirm it, they would kill him. It's the story of a Navy SEAL, apparently on a secret message, mission to uh, rescue hostages in another part of the world. And Navy SEALs go over to this other part of the world. They get into this room. They slip in, and there are the hostages. And the hostages are all in, huddled together in almost a fetal position, afraid. And, and the uh, Navy SEALs break into the room and they shout, We're Americans! We're Americans! Come with us! We've come to release you! We're Americans! Come with us! And nobody moves. The hostages still stay there. And so they get more excited. We're Americans! We've come to release you! Follow us! Nobody moves. Then one of the Navy SEALs boldly takes off his protective helmet and armor, lays down his weapons, goes next to the hostages, curls up in a ball with them and starts to whisper to them, we're Americans. We've come to help you. We've come to free you. We've come to take you out. And in this bold show of vulnerability, finally the hostages trust the seals and they escape with them. Sometimes boldness is the least aggressive thing you can do. Sometimes boldness is just to admit, I was wrong. Sometimes boldness is the willingness to occasionally look stupid. At the 9.30 service, uh, I was up there lighting furiously while Donna and Mark read, and none of them were lighting. Boldly, I continued. Sometimes boldness is just to be vulnerable. To say, I missed you. I could have done better. Boldness is not always equal to some sort of aggression. And finally, I'd say what boldness is not. Boldness is not self-aggrandizement. Boldness is just not saying, well, it's it's big and it's bad, so it must be for God. I'll go do it. It's the biggest, baddest thing I can think of to do. So I'm going to be bold and go do it. That's not necessarily 
the boldness that's in the Scripture. James and John's mother made a very uh, uh, interesting request, but it wasn't bold. She said, when you get in your kingdom, Jesus, I'd like one of my sons to be on your left-hand side and the other one on the right-hand side. The picture I get is the picture you've probably seen in the Jack in the Box commercial when Jack's trying to get his employees to think boldly. And so he said, anybody got anything to say? And remember, one of them raises his hand and criticizes Jack's appearance. And the next to him, the fellow employee goes, too bold, too bold. I get the sense that someone wanted to pull James and John's mother aside and say, too bold. Well, it wasn't too bold. It wasn't bold because boldness is not self-aggrandizement. Boldness is not putting ourselves forward. Boldness is obedience going wherever God has for us to go. I don't know if you recognize the name Phil Vischer. You may not recognize him, but if you've got children or grandchildren, you've seen his work. He was the head of a company called Big Idea. And they sold 30 million copies of his creation called Veggie Tales. These were Bible stories using vegetable characters that children all over uh, our country a few years ago were watching. The request for Veggie Tales just came fast and furious, and Vischer was trying to figure out how to run his business, so he went to the leading business book of the time, a book written, uh, an excellent book by uh, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras called Built to Last. And one of the things this business book told him was, if you want to get everybody pulling in the right direction and moving your business forward, what you need is what they called a BHAG, B-H-A-G, a big, hairy, audacious goal. You just create and dream up some big goal, and then your company moves forward toward it. So reading Collins, rather than Scripture, he decided that's what he should do, and he came up with a pretty big goal. His BHAG was to be the second largest family media entertainment group in the world after Disney. And boldly, he thought. He went forward. They suffered some reversals. Finally, a reversal in court. Finally, they ended up in bankruptcy. In an interview two months ago, they asked Vischer, who started a new company uh, called Jellyfish, because it's not about his actions now, but about being responsive to actions that come toward him. Ask him what he learned. And this is what he learned. He said, God had not called me to that big, hairy, audacious goal. God had called me simply to obedience, to do what God wanted me to do in the moment. Whether it is small or large is not your issue. Your issue is when you are called something to do something, you do it. God takes care of the ramifications. Your boldness is simply to respond. And the only BHAG that any of us need in our life is this, to know the big, hairy, audacious God who calls us to respond. And then God takes care of whatever the ramifications of that action will be. We don't set out to make them large. We simply set out to obey. Boldness is not about coming up with the biggest, baddest plan you can think of and jumping into it. Luke Skywalker whose 30-year anniversary we celebrate this weekend, didn't set out to be a great Jedi Knight, didn't even know he was one. Just a farm boy who simply obeyed a call and left his home planet. You don't know once you take that first step. Garrett is right in the bulletin this morning. There is a magic, a genius, and a power in boldness. But it starts with the source, which is never our ideas but always the call of God. To be bold, 
Like Peter, we need to know the source, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand what appropriate boldness is. It's following the Spirit's lead. Now this morning, you might wonder, well, how does one become more responsive to the Holy Spirit? And the first thing I would tell you is the Holy Spirit is already within you. If you are committed to Christ, the Holy Spirit has already taken up residence in you. And do you need now to be open to more of that Spirit's presence? Paul called it one time being filled up with the Spirit. Another time he called it stirring up the Spirit. You need to give God more room to operate in your life. Jack Deere, in a wonderful book on the Holy Spirit, says typically there are three things that characterize people that have more of the Holy Spirit operating in them. The first thing is simply humility. A recognition that it's not all up to them and their talents and their skills and their wisdom. C.S. Lewis says a lot of times we don't receive from God because in our, our hands are so full of stuff that we tr- are trying to show God. Look here, look what we can do, look how bright we are, look how talented we are, look at all that we have. And if we'll put that aside for a few minutes with empty hands, we'll find, I believe, that God will begin to fill them. It starts with humility. It goes on to availability. Simply to say, God, I'm here. If you want to be stirred up deeper inside me today, I'm willing. Maybe you want to say that where you're sitting. Maybe you want to pray with a prayer minister at the close of the service or just when you go home. But simply say, I'm here. I'm available. If you want to fill me, I'm a willing vessel. And then the final part is just obedience. Being willing to do what God calls you to do and go where God calls you to go. You see, what happens is it is your willingness to do what God wants, not what everybody else wants, that makes them consider you bold because you live your life before the only audience that counts. You live your life before God and you are bold.